welcome to Docupied, a podcast about anime, manga, light novels, and industry news. I'm your host, Brandon, otherwise known as Doc Pay. And this week I've got that new light novel series I mentioned in the last episode that I was pretty into and wanted to talk about. This is a newer license um, from J Novel Club. And well, yeah, let's just jump right in. <laughs> um, no reason to dilly dally. You already know what it's called. You can see it in the title of the episode. My Daughter Left the Nest and Returned an S-Rank Adventurer by Moji Kakia. And yeah, before I, I guess, say much of anything, uh, here's the description on J-Novel Club. I think they pulled it just from Volume 1. The life of an adventurer isn't always a glamorous one. Belgrieve finds this out the hard way when a deadly encounter robs him of his leg and the ability to pursue his dreams not long after setting off for fame and fortune. But fate isn't finished with this retired adventurer. While gathering herbs in the wilderness, he discovers an abandoned baby girl and names her Angeline after deciding to raise her as his own. Angeline grows up to become a top-tier adventurer in her own right. Yet, after venturing out into the world and making a name for herself, fame, fortune, and power hold no allure for the accomplished S-rank adventurer. Her heartfelt wish is for nothing more than to see her father again. And I'll say right off the bat that, yeah, that does that definitely does set up the, the story a little bit. Um, but that kind of, yeah, it's definitely just for volume one, really. <laughs> uh, the entirety of the series is not Angeline just wanting to see your dad again. I mean, that's this is a kind of volume one specific plot point. Okay, so let me give you my kind of overall impression uh, of the series. Or let me just let me just rant a little bit, okay? Uh, I really like this light novel series. Really big fan. Um, and actually, wow, yeah. Let me tell you a little bit more about it before I even do that. So this is a fantasy adventure story, and obviously the crux of the story and the plot and the characters revolve around this father daughter duo, and so it has that um, like single father story found daughter or like single father found daughter story that many other works do and if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while i am a huge fan of these stories i like and have read many of them i don't know why i mean yeah i don't know why but i find them very endearing i find them just very enjoyable to read and obviously i can't be the only one because there are many people writing these kind of stories, so there's clearly a market for it. <laughs> I'm not the only one who likes this stuff. It is not an isekai, it is just straight fantasy. There are no video game elements to it, aside from the presence of adventurers and, well, I mean, it's just a fantasy setting, okay? Like, a very Japanese JRPG-esque fantasy setting. Please excuse the helicopter in the background. Normally I'd cut that out, but, well... I'm going to leave it in this time. <laughs> Why not? I don't... I'm getting lazy. Not much you can do about helicopters when recording. They just kind of make noise. Although I do need to get some of that good like soundproof foam and bass traps. And yeah, this new room is not set up at all. But at least I'm recording an episode, right? Anyway, so this story is pure fantasy. It doesn't lean on video game gimmicks. It, it is kind of a classic Japanese style fantasy world that's like modeled somewhat after like western medieval 
times, that kind of setup. And so as of right now, uh, there are, well, one volume published and, and out in English. The second volume is currently being translated. We're about halfway through the Simul Publish. It looks like there are 10 volumes out in uh, Japan so far, so we've got quite a bit of content. It is ongoing based on a web novel. I believe there is a manga version, but I don't think that's been licensed yet. But considering how good the series is, and I think the kind of attention it can get, and it is somewhat getting, I don't doubt we'll see the manga version licensed at some point. And this seems ripe for an anime probably pretty soon. But that's just a prediction. So I think we're going to be getting this at a pretty solid clip in terms of like content. I'm quite excited about that. I've really, really enjoyed what I've read. I have actually read the five parts of Volume 2 that are out so far. I don't normally do that, but as I was reading Volume 1, the place it ends off on, I just, I could not, you know, put my mind to rest without continuing. And there were three parts available, and so I read those, and then parts four and five came out. I was like, oh, dude, dude, all right, I'll just read it anyway. Um, so here we are, I've read half of volume two. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about it from the perspective of someone who's read one and a half volumes. Um, it is a weird spot to be. I don't normally, again, read partial volumes, and I often try not to jump in to talk about a series after only one volume unless I think it was sufficient enough to get a feel for it. And I think this one, I'm going to say both was and was not, despite the fact that this is definitely one of my new like favorites to watch a hundred percent. This, this is not a series I would sleep on. It's very good. And well, okay. Yeah. Let's just jump into the series. I've been kind of talking around it. So the story focuses on our father-daughter pair. Belgrieve is the father, Angeline is the daughter. She goes by Ange for short, and Belgrieve tends to be called Bell or Mr. Bell for short. In this, I guess, so let's let's start off with the world and then the characters and the plot and, you know, the drill, uh, the writing. <laughs> uh, the world is, it is a fantasy world, um, you know, in that kind of medieval-esque era, swords and shields, wagons and horses, nobility and peasants, you know the drill. There are adventurers in this world because there are fiends, and fiends are essentially monsters that either are created or came out of dungeons. So yes, there are dungeons. All of these things kind of stem from in the lore of the world, which is pretty fascinating, and it definitely connects into the overarching plot, which I'll touch on briefly later. But there is a reason that all these things exist. They stem from something. Same with magic. Oh, I guess, yeah. So it is It is definitely fantasy in the sense that there is magic. You know, if there are fiends in this and this and that, there's magic. So it's not just um, like Altina-style military fantasy where it's all generally realistic. In this case, it is the monsters and magic and different races type of fantasy. Again, without getting too much into the actual story of the events yet, um, this world has adventures that are generally sent out and or take on jobs. If you've read literally any Japanese light novel or watched 
like any kind of fantasy anime series or even a lot of isekai have similar world setups which often irk me in the fact that like just make them pure fantasy but i guess then they can't include a self-insert main character and you know the deal um not to say i'm dissing on isekai but there are some isekai series that do not at all make good use of the fact that they are an isekai like they they do not know how to like integrate the fact that their main character is a person from the world that well and then it kind of ends up just being a fantasy story and you're like why did they have to reincarnate or like why were they summoned or like what was the point of that anyway none of that is a concern in the series i'm just mentioning that it's not the case um and that you you're familiar with the style of world i assume but at least on that front the fantasy setting isn't unique now what I do think ends up making this somewhat more unique um, world-wise is that our main character, Belgrieve, and then of course his daughter Angeline. So the writing, I guess I'll talk about this now, but the writing in the story generally splits um, their POV and like page time between Bell and Ange. We'll get a chapter's worth of content for Belgrieve and then Ange and I, I can't remember if it alternates or how it functions, especially in volume one, but things do shift back and forth between who is the POV character, uh, at least in volume one. So Belgrieve is in their home village of Ternera, whereas Angeline is largely stationed in the big capital city of the region, Orphan. And one thing I really like about this story is that Tunera is a pretty well fleshed out like village setting. It's given a lot of thought. It's clear this isn't meant to be necessarily like just the kicking off point for a story. Um, Belgrieve has lived there for the majority of his life, except for the his short stint as an adventurer where he lost his leg and then came back. There's a real charm to the way the author writes life in Tunera, the people in Tunera, the culture there. There's a lot of detail and thought put into Tunera as a place, as a village of people, how it fits into the like greater dukedom and empire that it's in, you know, its northern location, something that makes it fairly inaccessible in the winter, the poorly maintained roads to it, which means they don't get a ton of visitors. Like there's so much that they put into this, the world building of this village. And it really shows. I was quite taken with Ternera and, you know, the characters who end up visiting, uh, and I'll get to them in a minute, um, are all also quite taken with Ternera. And it's quite obvious to see as a reader, like, yeah, it would make sense if you visited there. You'd be like, damn, this is, seems like a pretty idyllic place. I'd also love to visit and spend a week there. And I think that does a lot to both ground Belle as a character, along with Ange's kind of longing for home, they make a lot of sense as you start learning about, you know, her childhood growing up there and the things her and her father did uh, when she was there. Like, there's a lot that really ties really well together in this story in terms of the world building and the characters and the story. It makes a lot of sense. Like, it's well-crafted. So again, we've got our characters, Belgrieve. He is at the 
like time the main bulk of the story takes place i think he's i think they said he's in his 40s now um and is 16 i believe 17 they said uh so she set off to be an adventure when she was 12 she left for orphan uh and this is she's been gone for five years so i think she's she's 17 actually but we get plenty of flashback stories to when she was a kid or when she, as she was growing up. And so we get to learn quite a bit about both Belle and Angeline as this father-daughter duo. There are, you know, the characters of the village, but as of yet, they're like distinctly side characters. Other characters that will kind of continue to play more central roles in the story are some of the adventurers out of Orphan, particularly uh, the other two members of Ange's party. We have Miriam and Anessa, or Mary and Anne for short. They're two also young girls. Uh, Angeline or Ange is ranked S. They're both ranked AAA, I believe. And as a party, they're ranked S together. So they're all like really talented, strong, like young adventurers. Then we've got the Bordeaux sisters, uh, three of them that we'll meet uh, throughout volume yeah, throughout volume one, I think we meet them. I'm starting to mix up where things kick off, but yeah, we meet them all in volume one. We have the oldest sister who takes over as the count, the head of the house, the middle sister, Sasha, or so the older sister, Helvetica, middle sister, Sasha, who is a double A adventurer, and the youngest sister, Saren, who Ange ends up saving from a bunch of bandits. And that's kind of how they kick off getting involved with uh, the house of... Bordeaux, which rules over the region that Ternera is in. And so they are the, the local lord, essentially. I'm quite fond of all the characters. Um, they're all interesting in their own way. The adventurers are all quite, uh, even like the ones I didn't mention, but they've all got kind of classic big personalities, whereas the girls form this nice, like, tight unit of friends that is quite heartwarming and just very wholesome to see and read about. So we've got Belle, and Belle is the most dadliest dad who ever dadded. Um, <laughs> if in other series, let's say Bacarina has like harem building as her like primary ability, um, or mine or Rosamine from Bookworm, for example, she collects a harem of, of dad figures for herself. In this case, Belle is the one out there collecting like daughter figures for for himself in in a wholesome way. Absolutely so far none of them are looking to like turn him into some kind of like romantic partner aside from Helvetica that's a different story. She definitely wants a piece of the bell. Everyone else just wants head pats and you know back rides and to be doted on, which is where we come to Ange. She is the biggest, like, both fan of her father and, like, his biggest advocate. She's very, like, clingy, very kind of protective of both him and his name. And is just, you know, a super daddy's girl. <laughs> um, in, like, again, the wholesome way. And so that is kind of the crux of volume one, at least. Uh, and some of that comes out in, like, we get to read the letters that they wrote each other. And they're super short up until like one long one that Ange kind of 
meanderingly writes after several failed attempts to go home, but the two of them are just so wholesome <laughs> in their in their just father daughter relationship. They both want what's best for the other and don't want to like. Ange has so much she wants to say that she ends up not knowing what to write, so she keeps her messages like really short. And then Belle is like worried about her, doesn't want to make her homesick or or distract her from her work as an adventurer, and so he keeps his reply short. And they're both kind of just trying to be like conscientious of the others. And as kind of the years have worn on, she hasn't been home in like five years, and so Ange is going crazy at several failed attempts to take a vacation and go see her father <laughs> uh, for various reasons. And that's kind of the crux of volume one is things keep popping up like crazy calamity class fiends keep showing up all over the place that hers and S rank adventure is apparently obligated to respond to. And she is just a good person. Thanks to Belgreaves like values as he raised her to be a good person and help others and use her strength to help others, that kind of thing. And so she's never able to like leave it alone. That's, I mean, it's not the right way to say it, but people are in need. People are in danger. Their lives are in danger. They need help. And they're really short stat. Like there's a bunch of really fascinating world building that goes on into what leads to the situation. Uh, and, how she finally ends up getting to go home in volume one and there is a cause for this like outbreak of really powerful fiends all around but suffice it to say it just means that she's being run from one place to another trying to help a town being besieged by you know x y and z or save people from this or that or that kind of thing powerful fiends are encroaching human settlements and villages and in ways that they weren't before and so she was being run all over and when she finally does get time for a vacation, other crazy things happen. And one of those is that she's on her way home and she senses or notices bandits were going to uh, hit the carriage she was riding. And so she takes them out and then also in the process discovers that they had kidnapped Saren, the youngest daughter of the House of Bordeaux. She does not know who she is, but she takes her home. And so ends up using her remaining kind of vacation time to bring her home to her father who was dying in bed. And so she rushes her back because and she's nothing if not daddy's girl. And so she can appreciate another daddy's girl. <laughs> and so, you know, this girl wanted to see her father who was dying right now in bed, you know, living his last bits. And so she rushed her back and he got and she got to be with her father before he died and in turn, Ange did not get to visit her, you know, visit home to see her father. But that leads into many other future plots. You know, the oldest daughter, who be then becomes the Count Helvetica, who, upon hearing of Ange's father, because this is going to be a running gag forever, and I, I really love it, <laughs> um, but Ange has this obviously incredible opinion of her father, Belle, and gave him the nickname the Red Ogre for his, you know, fiery red hair and beard and, and kind of demeanor. Um, and so she himself, like she herself, gave him the name the Red Ogre. Now, most adventurers earn nicknames through their deeds, uh, especially the like famous S-ranked adventurers. 
Belgrieve retired at rank E because he lost his leg and was no of no renown. And so obviously no one knows who he is. He does not have a nickname. The Red Ogre Ange just made up because she thinks it suits him. Uh, and so, you know, she, in her own fame and capacity as an S-ranked adventurer known as the Black-Haired Valkyrie, begins to spread the tale of her father, the Red Ogre, who trained her. Now, what I find entertaining and fascinating about this is that, you know, Bell did train her very diligently. He's, he's apparently a fantastic teacher. He, you know, he teaches all the kids in the village swordsmanship and farming and how to survive in the woods and, and navigate. And like, he's a, he's just a very fatherly teacher type guy. And he's also really dedicated to his, you know, both his village and his training. And so he continued to train even after losing his leg and uses a peg leg. And he, he is a master swordsman. Like initially you're kind of unsure of just how strong he is, but in the story, at least, you know, he goes out and beats fairly easily, like a C-ranked monster. And so there's, there is some ambiguity here and there, but we do and are, are like are told from perspectives of, you know, people who are powerful that like Bell is not fucking around. Like, you know, Ange might have made this up, you know, the story of him as the Red Ogre and, but she didn't make up his skill. She may exaggerate it you know, from a proud daughter's perspective. But he has actual, like, dedication, talent that backs up, you know, kind of what she says. Now, he finds all of that, on, like, once he eventually learns what happened and and started hearing himself called the Red Ogre from people who visit, or he's just like, what? The Red what? Who? I mean, yeah, and he's, he's like, yeah, Angeline's my daughter. That's right. Like, yeah. Uh, I was an adventure. What is this Red Ogre thing? <laughs> uh, and once he kind of figures out that Anne's just going hog wild telling people about him and like, in his mind, super over exaggerating both his strength and, the, you know, he, he thinks he himself has no accomplishments because he retired as an adventure super early on after losing his leg. And so he really doesn't have accomplishments in that way. And so it grates on him to be given like renown and prestige for things he thinks he didn't earn. And so there's like really fascinating and like entertaining uh, character beats. The middle daughter, Sasha ends up after Ange saved Saren's life coming to Belgrave, challenging him or at least like asking him for a duel after she heard about him from Angeline. And he actually, you know, manages to, he beats her in this duel and he starts calling him master and, you know, wanting to like train under him. And she was, she is a double, a ranked double A adventurer. So like he's no slouch that much we know. So at the very least, he does have the strength to live up to the reputation. Angeline is basically created for him. <laughs> uh, and so that is kind of, that is cool to see. Um, because Bell is himself is such like a, a humble, down-to-earth, very mild-mannered, like, magnanimous-type character, like, dad character. He's not in it for fame. He's not in it for fortune. He, he did want to be an adventurer. He likes that generally, but he doesn't like, you know, undue renown, that kind of thing. 
So anyway, we've kind of rambled a little bit about the plot, but so the first volume covers uh, Ange in her trek and adventure to get home, discovering the cause behind like the surge in fiends, working that out, which that is tied into the like a greater plot that they've developed. And this is why I said that I think one volume for this story was both enough and not enough to judge. Because in one volume, they do such a good job establishing the world, our main characters, the fact that there is an overarching plot at play here that ties kind of heavily into the lore of the world. And we got a good showcase of of the writing. But by the end of volume one, like it took to the end of volume one for Ange and, and Belle to reunite, which means the whole of volume one is told from their like disparate perspectives as we learn various things about the world and things going on in the world. So I got a pretty good sense from it. And then the half of volume two that I've read so far, we get a lot of really great and additional like character interaction and just finally home and she's home with her like party this time. So Anne and Mary are there with her staying and getting to know Belle and her hometown of Tunera. And we finally kind of get to see current and like grown up Ange and Belle and their relationship settle back in, redevelop again after like all these years apart. We get to so far see some additional like hints at plot lines and a lot and more interactions, at least so through the first half. Um, Belgrieve ends up for the first time in like 20 years or whatever, leaving Tunera on an errand, um, not for good, but on an errand to deliver a letter uh, to the house of Bordeaux, Count Bordeaux, regarding like the maintenance of the roads between their territories, like Tunera and the city where Bordeaux is located, that kind of thing. So it's he was entrusted with that, and so he ends up traveling with his daughter's party and they stay there and that's where I'm at halfway through the volume. So I'm really glad that we've got to spend some some good solid time with Belle and Ange together uh, with Ange and her party. Anne and Mary are both very sweet girls like it's their friendship is really entered like nice to read. We learn a little bit more about life in Ternera. We're starting to see some greater plot points regarding and like how like this count and house of bordeaux will tie in there's some again greater plot stuff brewing with so i mentioned the fiends were kind of spawned from uh these beings currently known as demons but they are like formerly the companions of like a once king who ruled the world solomon like again lots of interesting lore and all of it really ties back in And I won't kind of, again, I'm not, well, I didn't say anything at all this time, but I'm not spoiling anything major or important here, um, because I would obviously want you to be able to read and enjoy it for yourself, but it's clear so far in volume two that there's plot afoot, and I'm excited to get to it in the latter half of the volume. So at one and a half volumes, I did feel pretty comfortable that I had a good grasp on, like, volume one allowed me to get a really good grasp on the world, the setting, the lore, both Belle and Ange as individual characters, the 
greater plot that they were setting up and the more minutia of the writing style, the prose. And then the first half of volume two that I've been able to read so far, we get a lot of really good additional character like moments between Bell and Ange, a little bit of growth there as well now that they've reunited or maybe regression in Ange's case. Uh, you know, we, we got to flesh out even more her relationship with her adventuring party. It's actually quite impressive how much the author was successfully able to like set up, build on within one volume or even one and a half volumes, but also give that feel that things are definitely just kicking off, at least from how I've been reading it. There's clearly a plan. There's clearly forethought going into the world, the plot, how the plot and like how the world connects into the plot. Like it's, it's very well thought out that the things the characters are getting involved in the, the world building that is done is all very intentional and ties into the plot and will interact with and clash with the characters as things go on. I'm quite fond of that. And it's just very wholesome. Belle is such a, a wholesome dad and just such a like dedicated daddy's girl. The characters around um, them, you know, either want to also be or also turn or have Belle be their dad. Like it's just very dad daughter wholesome in that way. And also obviously it's a joy to read about and from the perspective of a main character who is an adult, like a grown adult and not the, you know, I'm 18. I'm definitely an adult type of like story or character. He's in his forties. He's one, what one might call, especially in like this kind of medieval fantasy world, like beyond his prime, our characters, you know, are able to drink. And there's just a lot here that is really appealing to me at least and maybe you uh, as someone who reads a lot of light novels there's there's a lot here that can overlap with stuff that you're familiar with you know the world and the fantasy setting the kind of father-daughter story but then the execution the way it's tied in together the characters themselves are all very effectively built around this core that is relatively familiar there are a few like bonus short stories at the end of volume one, uh, both the default volume and the premium edition on J Novel Club itself has some additional bonus short stories. Um, the ones in the volume itself tell two stories of when Ange was a, um, younger and lived at home. The bonus short stories as part of the premium edition, I think there were like four of them, were just nice little vignettes about various bits and things uh during the story or during parts of the story that like it inserts in certain periods of time within the story just to give us a little bit of a like a short vignette about something that the main story didn't cover or like within the context of events in the main story so they were really nice i really really love when the premium volumes get those short stories it's usually only a couple pages worth but I really like those. It makes it really worth getting the premium editions instead of necessarily just reading the parts with the membership. So highly recommend you pick up the premium ebook for this series to get the additional bonus short stories. 
Well, I think I've ranted and raved quite enough about this. I think I lost my train of thought there. Uh, I don't even, I didn't even really talk about the prose, but I think you could get a sense of how I felt about it and the writing. We get very well-crafted, lovingly thought out descriptions and explanations of Tunera as a village. It's the various seasons of it that we've, you know, experienced in the story, the life there, the allure that the village holds. I think the, you know, that, that definitely has two features to it. You know, both the original writing is very effective at establishing and building out this interesting world and this nice, like, idyllic small town and life there, along with the character interactions. And I do think the English version of it, you know, the translator has done a fantastic job at turning it into incredibly readable and well-flowing prose, like English prose. So the majority, like I said, of the work are POV written. So they are either written from Bell or Ange's perspectives or some, or other characters, you know, we'll insert and, and switch back here and there. But largely speaking, it's not told from any kind of narrator. It is told first person from Bell or Ange or, or whatever other character, um, but it's largely those two. So we have no kind of omniscient narrator to hint at or, or say anything within the context of the story. And that also gives it a very grounded feeling of of everyday life, like Bell's everyday life of getting up and patrolling the town and how he feels when he does it, you know, training and then teaching the kids sword fighting or how to trek in the woods and, or like stories of him teaching Ange various things. Like it, it's very grounded both emotionally and literally when most of our perspective is coming from like Bell himself. Well, I said I was done and then I talked a little bit more. So we're going to end it here. If you couldn't tell, I am a big fan of this series. I cannot wait to read the rest of Volume 2 and in general just continue reading this story. I wouldn't be surprised if this one gets a print edition at some point and if we get an anime announcement again at some point. Regardless, I really enjoy it. I think there's a lot here that anyone who's into light novels could get into if, if you're okay with fantasy stuff. It's just really well executed and written. Yeah, there's really nothing else for me to say. I, I didn't really have any negatives here. Um, and in fact, I don't think I mentioned really anything negative at all, aside from the fact that maybe the world is, is somewhat generic and set up initially, but that doesn't hold true for very long. And it's not even a negative. I don't know, volume one might frustrate you as much as Ange and her attempts to try and get home uh, maybe that's about it but as long as you know that that takes the entirety of volume one like expectation wise that is the point <laughs> of what's going on uh yeah no I, I don't really have any real criticisms here um maybe the again maybe the most you could criticize is that Ange is like super clingy to her dad and like super defensive of him but that's just part of her character i don't know I got nothing else to say. That's it. We're calling it here. This is because now I'm I'm starting to like nitpick at things that I don't even find to be remotely negative, but <laughs> thinking things that someone somewhere might find less appealing. But that's for you to work out on your own. I didn't find anything. I really love this story. 
Well, that's My Daughter Left the Nest and Returned an S-Rank Adventure by Moji Kakia, licensed in English by Jane Alvo Club. There are There is one volume currently published in English. Volume 2 is due out in November. This is an easy recommend from me. Very much enjoy this story. Can't wait for more. So yeah, go read it. Pick up the premium ebook from Jane Alvo Club. Read those bonus short stories. And let me know what you think of the story if you have read it. Or if you do go on to read it, let me know what you think. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? So thanks for listening. Follow my Twitter, I am DocPay for updates. And please, if you like Docupied, or if you don't, that's fine too, uh, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you can't leave a review there, go do it on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Every review helps other people find the show. I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.